You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by the Influence Alliance, the business building community for change makers. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says, don't get rich slow, don't get rich fast get rich smart and join me on today's show is Jackson Malam. Jackson has successfully helped over 1,000 clients build an excess of $1.4 billion in combined wealth and has also scaled multiple seven-figure businesses. He's a master of helping business owners make money, work for them and turn their business profit into personal wealth businesses. Now, on today's show, Jackson's going to share the million-dollar mindset, why many entrepreneurs struggle to achieve financial freedom. He's also going to talk about creating killer cash flow, how to turn your business from a cash eating monster into a profit making machine, as well as how entrepreneurship and scaling high performance teams, how he's done that, all of those insights and a lot, lot more, I'm sure. Welcome to the show, Jackson. Thanks for having me, Emery. I'm super excited to have a chat with you today. Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, in the uh, introduction, I mean, you know, you've got a diverse background, you've helped many other the business owners achieve success uh, through the principles and uh, I'm sure pillars that you're going to talk about today. But give us a background, just a brief one, obviously, of, you know, why have you been passionate about entrepreneurship? Was it something that uh, you've recognized from, uh, you know, from young or, or uh, tell us a bit about your journey? Yeah, it really started at an early age for me, Anne-Marie. I'm not your typical finance and wealth guy, as most people can see if they they look at me, uh, that my entrepreneurship journey started from my parents. My parents were business owners. My mum was a hairdresser. She tried extremely hard to scale a successful salon with very little success. And my old man was an entrepreneur at heart, but he was very much a dreamer. He tried his hand at so many different businesses, but never really stuck to anything for long enough to see success. And they always taught me when I was young, Jackson, if you want to be successful in life, you've got to work hard for it. And this is coming from people that had worked 16 hour days for as long as I could possibly remember. But I realized there was something wrong because if that was true, they would have been squillionaires. They would have been rolling in the dough, but the harsh reality was that they weren't. And they'd worked extremely hard for every single dollar that we had. And ultimately I discovered that they were working for their money. Their money wasn't working for them. So at the, uh, the ripe old age of 19, uh, I decided that I wanted to become a financial advisor. Uh, I pursued the opportunity. I was lucky enough to land a traineeship opportunity. I looked about 12 at the time without my beard. I'm very baby-faced. And I was shocked, Emery, because I saw that the industry at the time was very much about pushing commission-based products to people like my parents that really didn't need them. And I couldn't see them playing a vital role in actually helping business owners like my parents manufacture true financial freedom. So I decided that something needed to change. And I binned the term financial advisor. I donned the term wealth coach. And i basically committed my life and my career to helping business owners understand the language of money and then turn their business profits into personal wealth. So they have a real fighting chance at creating true financial freedom. Mm-hmm. I love that. And of course, one of the key things that you want to talk about today is the million dollar mindset. And I'd imagine that what you've just shared, a lot of it does stem around mindset. So let's define what does mindset mean to you? And then how does that impact the journey towards what so many business owners want, that financial freedom? 
Yeah, I think this really starts with the fact that all business owners, with but with no exceptions, got into business to create freedom and flexibility for themselves. But how many business owners do you know are truly free and have flexibility? Most people just create a job for themselves. And this comes down to mindset. We've been conditioned through our childhood, through our firsthand experiences, through our observations, through our school life to do things a particular way and ultimately being conditioned to be employees. And when we get into business, we all we know to do is to create a job for ourselves. So the importance of mindset is about expanding the quality of your ideas. And particularly when this comes around money, most people have self-limiting beliefs, these invisible ceilings around money that they feel like they're not worthy or they feel like they have to work hard to make money. They, they create this job for themselves or when they start creating success, they self-sabotage, taking themselves back to the position that they were, that hardship, that constant battle. And the whole idea of the million dollar mindset is how do we equip more business owners with the tools, the education, the frameworks, the, the ability to take the appropriate actions to use their hard work, their expertise, the things that they're so passionate about and allow them to use that for good, but also to use it as a way to create a platform to create true financial freedom. Because let's look at every rich list in the world. The vast majority of those people in those rich lists are in an elite club that us as business owners are also in. We are entrepreneurs. The the difference between them and, and many of us is the fact that they have the million dollar mindset. They've turned their business in a vehicle that creates amazing impact, but also creates amazing wealth. Mm. You know, as you're sharing that, uh, I mean, one of the things that we now find ourselves in around the globe, many businesses are being challenged. And in actual fact, some of those businesses that were operating really well, had built momentum, had built the time, you know, to build those solid foundations, now are having to reinvent, reinvigorate their businesses. So it's almost like many of us have gone back to stage one again. And it's those people who we see shift through that quickly who have that million dollar mindset, I'm sure that it's okay, we're here again. There's things that we need to do differently. What would you say, and maybe there's no kind of, well, A, B and C, there's a lot of different factors, but what do you see mostly impacting someone from even starting to develop that million dollar mindset? Most people just haven't been taught how, Anne-Marie, like they don't know what's possible. And and I guess one of my mentors always taught me when I, I learned a lot about this whole concept of the million dollar mindset, and I was going on my own journey to develop this framework and this methodology is that as a human being, we are all like a tree. You're either growing and thriving or you're rotting and dying. You need to choose one. And what we've also got to realize is that none of us make bad decisions on purpose. We choose the best option on life's menu at the time. Like, let me use this analogy. You never go into a restaurant and then look at the menu and find the one thing that you hate eating and choose it. Like if you don't like Brussels sprouts, you go, give me two serves of that, please. No, it's only in hindsight where you've ordered something. Oh, I'm going to have a little bit of a try of that. That sounds nice. It's only in hindsight that you realize that it might have been a poor decision. So the importance here is that we need to go from unconscious incompetence to being consciously incompetent to then being consciously competent, to then being unconsciously incompetent, that this become uh, unconsciously competent, should I say, that this becomes an unconscious muscle memory that we understand that we need to pivot, we understand how we position our business as a true vehicle to create the, the cash flow and the wealth that we really need to achieve what we define as financial freedom for us and our family. Um, and yeah. this is purely about education. 
Yeah. And you know what's interesting as you say that, and I know we're going to talk about, you know, scaling high-performance teams, often businesses, and you beautifully, uh, f- f- you know, kind of framed this before, was that, you know, as businesses, well, we go into business, but we're actually creating a job for ourselves, which means that if we were to separate ourselves from our work and not actually be there doing the work, if the business stops, we've actually not created a business. We've created right. a job for ourselves. And so what's really important, and it's really navigating, isn't that, between the balance, but always being um, in front of and having the right team before you even need them. And I know that that's going to be something that we talk, we're talk. we going to talk about in a moment because that can be, we can become our bottleneck. We're the greatest asset in our business, but can be the greatest bottleneck. We're only as strong, what's that saying, as our weakest link. So whilst yeah. we may have a lot of different aspects in our business that's working really well, it's the things like the Brussels sprouts that we may be avoiding that is actually keeping us stuck from building that business that we want. So when we're talking about killer cash flow, and again, this is something that many businesses feel, well, I can't grow my business because I don't have cash flow. What are some things, I'm sure it all ties in together, but when we're talking about, or you're talking about creating killer cash flow, what do you see as the biggest obstacles to getting to that? Is it team? Are there other systems, processes? What are some of the things you've noticed? It's actually really surprising, Emery, that it actually doesn't start with the business. Because this whole idea of creating the million dollar mindset and then creating killer cash flow, of having a business that allows you to fuel all of your goals, dreams, and ambitions, it actually starts with you and what you want. And the first thing that I get all of my private clients to do is I get them to sit down and I get them to ask themselves three questions. And we create a system where they ask themselves these three questions at least once a quarter. And this is about defining our own North Stars outside of the business. Because, of course, we get into business because we're passionate about it. We see an opportunity. We want to pursue our craft. We want to be the master of our own destiny. But selfishly, we should be in business for profit. But we don't want to blindly chase profit because that's not motivating. It's about what the profit enables us to do in our own lives that's important. So the three questions that we need to ask ourselves is, one, what is fundamentally important to you? Or what are your non-negotiable needs? What are the things that you cannot do without that you're not prepared to compromise? Two, assuming that your fundamental needs have been met, what then becomes your goals, your dreams, and your aspirations? What's the house you want to live in? What's the car you want to drive? What's the school you want to send your kids to? What are the the experiences, the holidays, the things that you want to do that fill you with joy, that fill your cup? How do you want to give back? And then for each of those goals, dreams, and aspirations, what is the significance of those goals, dreams, and aspirations to you? Why is it so important? These become the milestones, the North Stars that we are working so hard for. And most people see these as dreams, not goals, because the reason they're dreams is they don't actually have a plan to make them happen. Right. We start with this. We then reverse engineer this backwards, and we need to set an income target. Because if I can help you link your activity and your business to the outcomes that are intrinsically motivating you, the things that you really want, that you're super passionate about, are you going to work harder for it? Of course you are. So this is about us connecting the dots, working backwards, starting with the end in mind, and then it's about us setting the measure of success. How much profit, how much cash flow do we really need to achieve our personal goals, but also take our business where it needs to go. And this is the the, fund, the foundation, the fundamentals of creating killer cash flow. We need to have a North Star. Yeah. That North Star, Jackson, um, if, if I can think back and, and kind of bring in some of the things that I've found, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. 
often that's not something that many business owners have identified. And I know for me that that was the, one of the most significant turning points in my business because before that, there was no what I would call building of momentum. And what a lot of businesses, they don't take into consideration is it can take years to be able to build a solid foundation upon which you you can build. And if you're consistently moving and shifting all the time, which many of us entrepreneurs do, so it's our greatest gift, but yeah, greatest barrier as well. We're starting from scratch all all of the time because, you know, that North Star can then very much become the vision, the mission, which then filters down towards the team. Would you say that that is the reason if businesses have not put that North Star down is because they haven't taken long enough to actually get clarity on that? And that's one of the reasons they're struggling because they're not actually clear about what it is that they're wanting to achieve. That is 100% the case. It is that the most valuable tool that we all have in our kit bag, it is the most often underutilized resource that we have available to us that has the biggest impact in our life and our business is the power of reflection. It's actually taking the time to step back and reflect. What's happened? What have been the outcomes that have presented themselves in my life and my business? Why did they happen? What were the triggers, the causes, and the effects that they occurred? And then what do I now want with everything that I know in hindsight to be able to have the appropriate foresight to then plan. So I either get more of the things that I want and less of the things that I don't. And yes. it's because we're just in this vicious cycle, the, the, the kind of the, the hamster wheel of being busy. And busy doesn't mean, mean productive and busy doesn't mean effective. Yes, yes. One of the other things with entrepreneurship is, as well, and I think um, you, you kind of touched on this, is that there's going to be opportunities in front of us and we take those opportunities. That's what entrepreneurship is about, isn't it? It's taking those risks. But what I often find, and this can become a barrier or block too, and I'd love for you to share some insights on that. Sometimes we can get to a stage when we don't do that reflection, which is so important that you identified. We don't take the learnings from that and recognise, you know what, this didn't turn out quite so as as I'd hoped, but here are the learnings. I've grown through this kind of thing and, and I'm going to make sure that this doesn't happen again because of A, B and C. What we do instead is we do look at it as the failure and it almost gets to the stage where we don't want to take some of those risks because it's we don't like where it could end up. Do you find that, that it's kind of a balance between the two, isn't it? But recognise yes. reflection is key. It is very key and we need to have an objective framework because as entrepreneurs, we are emotional creatures, Right. We're so passionate about what we do. We want to do everything. We want to chase these shiny objects. And this can be a double-edged sword. It's why entrepreneurship is so amazing because this is where all these beautiful and amazing and impactful ideas come from. But it can also be the worst thing that ever happens because it kills your productivity and it can have you chasing these shiny objects and ultimately not focusing on the real work. So this is why this framework that I've spoken about, about reverse engineering and setting that income target is so important because what that income target allows us to ask ourselves is, does it make the boat go faster? And this comes from an analogy of a, of a, a UK rowing team. There was a rowing team and they were absolutely terrible together. They lost every single race that they went in. And the rowing captain was fed up and he said, guys, we need to do something different. I want to win the Olympics. I want us to be the best. So what I'm going to do is we're going to implement a rule that if any of us come up with an idea, we're going to stop and ask ourselves, does it make the boat go faster? So should we go and sit in the gym and row for an hour? Does it make the boat go faster? Yes, it does. Should we go to the pub and have some beers? Does it make the boat go faster? No. And we need this this self-assessment in our business to help us evaluate, is that shiny object the right thing or the wrong thing to be doing at this stage of your life and your business? 
Yeah, so key because you could have one of the best marketing strategies or tactics that is being shared with you, but if you have a look at it through the lens of where your business is at right now, where your mindset is at right now, it's a great tactic, great tool, great strategy, wrong timing for you. And often as business owners, we can throw the, you know, that old, that saying, which is quite horrible. If you can think of another one, share it, but, you know, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We think that didn't work. Actually, it will, but you need to do these things first, which is uh, just so important. Let's now segue into the entrepreneurship and scaling high-performance team. As I mentioned before, this is going to be impacted very much from the key things that you mentioned earlier, the million-dollar mindset. We might have the mindset is why should I invest in team? Why I can do it myself better, faster, you know, but we've said you're you're going to be the bottleneck in your business. It can also be the killer cash flow if we haven't created some things that are so important to onboard the right people in the right roles in the right way so that that doesn't become another barrier for us too. So I know you've done this really well. And um, let's just spend some time and and listen to some of the insights that you've learned. What would you say is one of the key factors that's going to get in the way from us having a high performance team? Yeah, this is really key, Amory. I think there's two major problems that many business owners find themselves falling into. It's these common traps of, of entrepreneurship is one we become the hero to our own story because most of us get into business and we become a technician. We're the one that's doing the doing. And we're delivering the value. We see the gratification that our clients are getting as a result of working with us. Um, and it feels really good. It's like, why have we got into business in the first place? And then the big issue is it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that we believe that the longer we do this, the better we become. And we have this belief that nobody can do it better than us. So we just hold on to it. And then ultimately, everybody that we end up hiring becomes a supporting act to the main show. And that isn't necessarily conducive to get your business from where you are to where you want to go, which is once again, why that income target is so important. The question of does it make the boat go faster? Because with having that North Star of understanding the income target, of understanding what makes the boat go faster, it allows us to consider, well, what is the actual best path for us to get our business from where it is to where where we need to go? Is there a way of me re-identifying my, my, my value to my business from working one-on-one with my clients to now stepping into, say, the CEO position or a manager position of overseeing technicians that do the doing now and making sure that they reach their fullest potential, that they can impact more people? Because the, the, the analogy I always use here, Emery, is imagine that you're a 10 out of 10. You're 100%. You're so good at what you do. There's nobody better. And let's say your best possible team members are 70%. If you've got two team members at 70%, they're already better than you. So we need to have this kind of mindset. And it's something that I've done in my own business. Like I now have a team of 27. We've got 600 clients around the world. And 12 months ago, I redefined my North Star. I've never been motivated by money. I've always been motivated by lifestyle because unfortunately, my father worked for 40 years, 16 hours a day for this traditional retirement. Work 40 years, retire at 65 and enjoy 20 if you're lucky. And he squirreled away every last red cent that he could afford and had a very modest retirement savings. And he got to age 66, diagnosed with late stage pancreatic cancer and passed away shortly thereafter. Now, the harsh reality of that was that his time was cut short. He deferred all of this gratification for a future that actually wasn't promised to him. And I decided 12 months ago that I was going to create a lifestyle business, a seven figure lifestyle business. And I set the wheels in motion for me to phase myself out of my business and get myself in a position where I could spend a year traveling around Australia in a four-wheel drive. And in two weeks, we leave. My business has been set up in a position where I can achieve that reality. I can go confidently. I can do the things that I enjoy in my business. 
And I know my business is going to continue to grow and thrive and my clients are going to continue to get phenomenal outcomes because my team does the work. I hope my husband isn't listening, uh, Jackson, because that's his dream too. <laughs> and I'm sort of like, yeah, okay. But then once we, you know, we're we're uh, a month in or even a couple of weeks in, it's like, all right, I need to get back to work. Get back the itch. <laughs> uh, you know, time off kind of stuff is getting a bit boring. Okay, look, I know that there's so many aspects in this that we can't cover. We can only just scratch the surface. But for someone who is listening today, and I know that we're going to give you contact details, and this is the kind of thing that you help people with. But what's a snap? Snapshot overview of kind of the main steps, the main pillars that you knew you needed to have in place that will enable you to onboard the, these incredible team members that are now going to run the business as you are off uh, traveling around uh, Australia. What are some of those key key frameworks that you put into place? Yeah, so we created a five-step framework, and I, sp- I wrote about this in my second book, um, Enjoy the Journey, Secrets to Scaling a Seven-Figure Lifestyle Business. And we need a, a top-down approach. So the first thing we need to get clear on is our vision, our why in the business. Every business leader should have at least a three-year vision. It's about understanding what does that, that big picture vision actually look like for your business? What, why are you doing what you're doing? What is the impact that you want to create in the world? And I'm a big believer that profit is a lag indicator for doing the right thing. So your vision should be more based on the impact that you want to achieve. And if you create the right impact and you deliver a lot of value, then the profits will follow. Then we need a game plan. We need a one-year game plan to work out how do we break down that three-year vision and turn it into a tangible and clear action plan. What are the financial goals you want to achieve? What's the profit target? Who do you need on the team? What does that need to look like? Get a big picture plan of what your next 12 months should look like. Then let's break that down into a 90-day sprint because we can't sprint for a year. Things change, things shift. We need to reassess and reflect on the impact of the projects that we've been working on. So let's break it down into four sprints. Let's pick a particular theme, a topic, an area of focus or a couple of areas of focus, and let's rally together as a team to execute on that plan. Then we need KPIs and metrics. Every single person on your team, including yourself, needs a role description, a measure of success, and indicators, measures, and metrics that they can measure that success by. So for example, if you as the CEO, if your responsibility is to do a million dollars in revenue and $200,000 in profit, if we had to reverse engineer that too, what would be the logical steps and and things that would need to be done to presuppose that outcome? You need that and all of your team needs that too. And lastly, we need to have a mechanism for reflection. We get all of our clients and ourselves included to do a Friday self-assessment. It is a short scorecard, a short quiz that every single person in the organization does that goes through questions like, what went well this week? What didn't go so well? Who was the outstanding performer and why? Who could have done better and why? What were your targets? Did you hit them? What could we do better next week? How can we better support you? What could we do better in the business? And over the course of the last three years, just in our business, we have had over 2,000 pieces of individualized feedback from every single member of our team collectively. And it has been the most invaluable advice that we have ever received. And it's all from internally within our organization. And it's those small pivots and micro adjustments on a week to week basis that drive real results. 
Mm. It really goes back to that 1%, isn't it? If you can get 1% from your team um, feedback, if you can look at the 1% improvement in the systems and processes, these are all things that are really going to help uh, continue to build that structure, that foundation upon which you can then step away from your business. I, I, I would think too that, you know, we talked about momentum earlier on where it really does take time to build that momentum. It really can take time and it's like well, how long is it well how long is a piece of string it really will are you how focused are you on that do you have the right support and mentors in place because if you're trying to figure everything out on your own it can take you twice as long or ever if you can achieve that but these solid things can often for entrepreneurs who are very much visionaries it can seem quite humdrum but if we don't have this in place all of the things that we want the freedom and the lifestyle to do things that you you're now doing and achieving is predicated on the back of you taking time, getting these things in place and getting the right team in place, yes? I agree with you 100%. And look, I think it was famously said by by Bill Gates that most people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10. And our mantra is that everything in your business should be simple. If it's complicated, there's huge margins for error. It needs to be sustainable. We should never do anything in your business that you can't see yourself doing in a year or five years or 10 years' time. And it needs to be scalable. We need to think for the future. We can't just do something because it's the right decision to be doing right now. We also need to consider, is this going to continue to work as my business grows, as I achieve my goals? And if we can have these lenses that we view these decisions by, it takes us from being emotional, knee-jerk and subjective to being objective business leaders. And that's where success happens. This is where the best businesses are built. Yeah. One of the questions that I'd love to ask you, Jackson, is obviously you've got a great team. I think you said you've got about 23 people supporting you. When did you at that stage in your business get someone who was kind of like what I call the second you, someone who, what I might classify as an intrapreneur, if you will, who's got that building business aspect, who can be kind of that front line for the team to come and, and talk to? Because I know for me, and, and this might be for you too, when you get to the point where you are overseeing team, if you've got to manage them yourself, that can become a whole other uh, kind of burden, which as the CEO visionary, you you don't really want to get in. So what stage did you get someone? How did that look like as far as how did you know what team members you needed to get in place? I know that's going to be different for every business and stage, yeah. but I'd like to hear your reflection. From the very beginning, Anne-Marie. So I recognised very early on through failed projects in the past and understanding my intrinsic strengths and weaknesses is that I am a visionary. I'm not a good implementer. Um, and I actually did a test that's called the Colby A. And Colby A is a phenomenal framework that all entrepreneurs should do, in my opinion. I wish I did it sooner. And it basically tells you four numbers of your skill set around fact-finding, how good are you of extracting information from people, uh, implementation or follow-through, how good are you once you start something, you actually follow through with it, quick start, if you've got an idea, how quickly are you likely to start that idea and start putting it into action? And then the last one is implementation. How good are you at implementing things? And I'm a 3395. I'm low fact find, I'm low follow through, I'm high quick start, and I'm kind of intermediate in terms of, of, of implementation. Now, my business partner, who is our COO, he is the exact opposite of me. He's high fact find, he's got high follow through, he's got low quick start, and implementation is quite high. So we make a perfect match because we're a yin and the yang. We play to our strengths, we buffer and outsource our weaknesses to each other, 
And it's been an absolute game changer for our business. It's the key to our success. Mm, it's interesting you should talk about quick start. I'm a 4383. So I know we can be the biggest, um, as I said, with the visionaries. Thankfully, I've got an OBM, but I can see that I need someone in there to really drive a lot. of. And also it, it balances it out, doesn't it? I'm sure you might have meetings of, whoa, Jackson, let's just get this done. Or they're in the back end implementing, following through all of those things. Let me ask you this question because I'm sure that this is something that many, how do I find my yang or how do I find my ying? What, what did you do? Was it someone that you knew and trusted or can someone go out and, and kind of hire that? What does that look like? Yeah, so Sam, my business partner, we'd known each other for many years. I owned a previous business, which was a franchise, and he was a consultant in that business. And when we first met, we basically clicked. We, we, were, we were like uh, long lost brothers. And um, we had very similar upbringings, very similar values. And over time, we started to discover how complementary our skill sets were, which is the reason why I ended up selling that business. And then Sam and I ended up going into business together. But we've since, now that we've got a team of 27, we've now hired a GM. And we hired a GM because Sam is, is a great operational person, but he's not necessarily a great team manager. It's not something that is his specific skill set. He's very objective. He's very easy to get along with, but he's not a people manager. And we needed a GM to be the intermediary between us as the leaders in the business and our frontline force, the people that are doing the work and delivering the vast majority of the value to our clients. Um, and the, Nadia, who's our GM now, um, she came in as a client success manager and then we've ascended her into that role. So I've always been a big believer, Anne-Marie, is that you hire based on values and you train everything else. You can have the most qualified, smart, intelligent, experienced person, but if you do not align from a value standpoint, good work cannot occur. It's yeah. not conducive to getting good results. You so, can't train attitude, can you? You definitely can't. And I've been burned on this many times before um, and I've made the mistakes even after so many years in business. We still make these mistakes, but it is often the most costly mistake you will make. So take the time to get to know people on a personal level, find out what makes them tick. And this is why having that vision is so important. Help them buy into the vision and then go through these psychometric testing like DISC and like, uh, like the Colby A and like the Myers-Briggs. And then just understand, are they actually going to be the right values fit and are they willing to learn the rest? Yeah, so important. And how often um, do you meet as as team? Do you meet as team? What does that look like? I know that often is asked as well because that's important. We set up the team and then the, the CEO or the leader kind of disappears and the rest of the team's going, no, you know, so what does that look like for your, your team? Yeah, so we've been experimenting with this and we were in a uh, habit where we were meeting as a, a complete team monthly, uh, sorry, uh, weekly, my apologies, and we were doing it on a Friday where I'd actually facilitate coaching for all of our team. Um, now that we've got a GM, our whole strategy is really about us as being visionaries in the business is to empower Nadia as the GM to be able to pass on our vision in a way that the team can understand and buy into based on their specific roles in the business. Because what we've often found is that when you do grow a big business, people do love the, the, like the big picture vision, but the question that's often left to them is where do I fit into all of this? And that can sometimes be very demotivating and people can feel so small. They can feel like a, just like a speck of sand on a, on, a, on a kind of a, on a beach, right? So what's really important for us is making sure that we have every single team member um, intrinsically connected to their important role in the business. It doesn't matter if they're a coach or whether they're in the sales team or whether they're in our offshore team in the Philippines. We want every single person to feel that they're making a valuable difference, which is the reason why we've done, spent so much time trying to, to, uh, to mentor you 
to play that role in our organization. Um, so we do 90-day planning with all of our team. And then at the moment, us as leaders, with our team monthly, and it's all about how do we improve the business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you to continue to grow your team as business owners you're, or the, the leaders of the business, you really need to separate yourself from a lot of the things that um, your team is now doing, which can often be a challenge for the leaders of the business. But your role is to create an environment in which your team does the best and, and, and the vision too. You've got to cast the vision and ensure that that passion and that drive fil- filters down. Just one final question, and I'd, I, I know that uh, you're, you're going to share how people can connect with you. But I know another question that I'm often asked and I know people would be interested in finding out, when you are then looking at different teams, you, you talked about sales team, you talked about um, offshore team as well. Are there some specific resources that are your go-to resources for finding these team members? Yeah, I think the first answer to that, Emma, is finding what quadrant of your business are you actually focusing on building a team around? So I break business, every single business, into four quadrants. We've got marketing, we've got sales, we've got delivery, and we've got growth. So marketing is how do we bring leads and opportunities of the right people into the business? Sales is how do we turn those leads into paying clients? Delivery is how do we turn those paying clients into raving fans? And growth is about how do we run a profitable and sustainable business that we can then continue to grow and scale. And then typically that creates cash flow that we can then tip back into marketing and circle around. So the first thing you need to do as a business owner is evaluate those four quadrants. And it needs to cascade from marketing sales into delivery and into growth. So if your marketing's not sorted, we shouldn't really be focusing on building a sales team. Let's get the marketing sorted first. And then we cascade our way down. So pick a quadrant. What are you going to focus on? Then the first thing you should do is tap your network. Put the offer out to your clients. Put it out to your existing team members because like attracts like. People surround themselves typically with people like them. And if you've already got A players in your business or you've got clients that you could see working for you, if they've been on board with a vision, they love what you do, what's stopping them from putting their hand up and saying that they they want to work with you? That's honestly where Nadia came from. She's been a long-term client for six years She loved what we did. We delivered so much value, got them into their first home, helped them build wealth, prepare for the future. She'd never had a a role in finance before, but she goes, I want to be on board with this. And um, I believe in the vision. I I want to be on deck. And this is the first place to start. The next thing to do is you need to set the right income for these individuals. Because I believe that if you pay the right income and you have the right vision, then the right people will come. And the biggest mistake that many business owners make is they don't hire A players. And it's typically because they don't feel like they can afford it. But by not hiring A players, it will be the most costly decision that you ever make in your business. It will cost you tenfold of what it would if you hired the right people the first time. Yeah. That's such a great insight and, again, goes back to the mindset, doesn't it, the million-dollar mindset. Invest in your team because when you get the right team in the right role and who really are connected to the vision, they're going to be productive and profitable for your business right on the onset because, yeah, there's no um, issues that you need to backtrack. Look, this has been such a valuable conversation. I mean, I love just hearing how other people have done that. And, And as you've just said, I mean, when you've got the right things in place and you implement, it's knowing 
and how quickly to recognize, oh, we need to shift a little bit. We need to do this. And now I think is a time where all businesses need to be at that place where they are more agile. They need to have a team who are so passionate about the business because every single you know, aspect of the business adds value to the next. I love the way that you said, you know, don't start looking at your sales team unless your marketing's working well, because your sales team are going to be sitting there clicking their fingers going, come on, marketing team, (laughs) and so forth. And it just goes to show that there is a sequence, there is an order to that. But it all starts out with that clear vision, because that is going to be what really drives the entire business forward, no matter what, what role that they're playing. And they all play such an important role. Jackson, how can people find out more about you? What what uh, sort of support can you offer? Please share some of those uh, things yeah. with us. So this is our bread and butter, and we work with service-based business owners to help them remove cash flow bottlenecks in their business, maximise their profit, and systematically turn business profit into personal wealth. So everything that we're talking about here today is common conversations that we have with our clients. We help them make these decisions based on the objective facts that are their financials, and we use the financials as the measure of success of how these strategies and things that are being put into place are actually playing out. And we want people to not chase the vanity metrics. We want them to chase the metrics that really matter, that are going to allow them to create more profit, create more free time, and create more personal wealth. Those are the three boats that we want to go faster. So if you uh, if you want to find out more, we've created a 40-point performance scorecard that we've evaluated thousands of businesses over the years and worked out the top 40 things that you need to do to turn your business from a cash eating monster into a profit making machine. The scary fact is, Emory, that the average score through surveying thousands of businesses is about 18 out of 40. That means that most businesses are below par, below average. But the good news is that by understanding the areas that you're not doing well, most people can boost their score by at least 10 within 30 days or less. So we'll have that resource and we can check that in the show notes. Um, Otherwise, please connect with me on social media. Um, Search for me, Jackson Balan, The Wealth Mentor, on uh, Facebook or Instagram. And, of course, if you want to have a deeper conversation around how we can help you, uh, feel free to jump on our website, um, submit an expression of interest. Let's have a chat and see how we might be able to support you as a partner in pursuit of financial freedom. Terrific. Well, thanks once again for coming on the show. Uh, I always love, as I said, for, for speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs who are really just carving out that space in their industry. We can learn so much. And uh, thank you for, for sharing your wisdom and insights. Anytime. This podcast is brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.